In this series, we've been talking in-game, the final stage, your final play. And for us, we're referring to this wrapping up, this end of the year, right? We have unearthed five powerful truths that we gleaned from the first two episodes in this series, which include, one, it's time to come out of hiding. You have no business threshing wheat in a wine press. The world needs you and your gifts. Again, if you don't know what I'm referring to, please go back and listen to the first two episodes in this in-game series. Number two, go in the strength you do have. Do what you can with what you have right now. God is sending you. Number three, take on the mind of Christ. Start to see yourself the way that God sees you because he is with you. You are exactly who you need to be and you are able to do exactly what he's called you to do. Number four, do it scared. It's okay to be afraid. Just do it anyway. And last but not least, number five, let the Lord strip you of anything that you think is propelling you forward, but really could be holding you back. And that's where we're going to pick up tonight. We are going to meet Gideon on the pages of scripture once again, as God teaches him how to weed out and discern the perfect team to accomplish his calling. Have you ever known what God called you to do, assembled the team you thought you needed to have, only to find out that God intended to do more with less? No? Oh, well then you're in for a treat. Join me for Culling for the Calling, How to Build Effective Teams. Hey friend. If you know me well, then you know I love alliteration. I love playing with words. Sentences are more effective for me when they sound good. Words in groups of threes, and even better if they start with the same letter or the same sound. Mm. So when I was thinking of the title for tonight's lesson, the word culling popped into my mind. But I have to be honest and admit, I couldn't quite remember what culling meant. But culling for the calling sounded too good to pass up. It turns out that the word culling, C-U-L-L-I-N-G, means a reduction of a wild animal population by selective slaughter. Yeah, that, that was harsh and it was not quite what I was going for. However, however, if we take a little bit of a creative license and we look beyond the reference to wild animals, although in some circles and seasons in my past, that would have been a very relevant term. Uh, And we also kind of try to bypass the word slaughter. We could replace it with something like this for a definition. An intentional reduction of the number of people with whom you surround yourself to accomplish what God has called you to do. Yeah. See, doesn't that sound better? Let's say it again. Culling for your calling is an intentional reduction of the number of people with whom you surround yourself to accomplish what God has called you to do. We're going to be picking up tonight in Judges chapter 7. At this time, if you remember, Gideon has been given the task to deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. They'd been oppressing uh, the Israelites for many years, running them into hiding, which is where we found Gideon, or rather where the Lord found Gideon, threshing wheat in the wine press in chapter 6. 
Gideon has sort of kind of beginning to start uh, to gain confidence and is more willing than he was initially to do what it is that God has requested of him. So now Gideon in chapter seven is starting to gather his army to prepare for the attack. And I want you to listen very carefully to this exchange between God and Gideon as they start addressing the effectiveness of his team, the effectiveness of the people that he surrounded himself with. When we come back, I'm going to read it all the way through first, and it's a little bit lengthy, and then we're going to come back and break it down together, I promise. So this is going to be a great time to get out your Bibles, turn to Judges 7-1, get your notebook, something to write with, and then we're going to do work. We'll be right back. Hey friend, don't forget, if you find value, we would love if you would consider supporting Rooted the Podcast. You can do that in several ways. First, consider a financial monthly donation. There as little as 99 cents a month. Any financial contribution helps us to consistently bring you relevant, relatable, practical content every single week. Second, please share the podcast on any of your social media platforms. Third, follow me on Instagram at Shania, that's S-H-I-N-I-A underscore Lambert, L-A-M-B-E-R-T. In the coming year, I have so many fun things planned for Rooted. Rooted is going to expand to video. We're going to have a YouTube channel. We're going to provide bonus content for Patreon members. And we may even hop on TikTok. We'll see. I love you, friends. Welcome back. So we are picking up in Judges chapter one. I hope you have your Bible, a notebook, something to write with, because we're going to be digging into how God leads us to discern and create effective teams, the people that he calls out, the people that he intentionally leads us to reduce from our camp, to reduce from our tribe, to reduce from our numbers so that we can do what it is that he's called us to do. And we're going to talk about the reason why he does that, why God is intent often in our lives of doing more with less. So I'm going to start, as I promised, by reading our scripture passage for today. It's going to start at verse 1 in chapter 7 of Judges and go all the way through verse 8. So it says, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the troops who were with him got up early and camped beside the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them, below the hill of Moreh in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many troops for me to hand the Midianites over to them or else Israel might elevate themselves over me and say, I saved myself. Now announce to the troops, whoever is fearful and trembling may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of the troops turned back, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many troops. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. If I say to you, this one can go with you, he can go. But if I say about anyone, this one cannot go with you, he cannot go. So he brought the troops down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Separate everyone who laps water with his tongue like a dog. Do the same with everyone who kneels to drink. The number of those who lapped with their hands to their mouths was 300 men, and all the rest of the troops knelt to drink water. 
The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and hand the Midianites over to you, but everyone else is to go home. So Gideon sent all the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 troops who took the provisions and their ram's horns. The camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Okay. As I was reading through it, there's so many things that were just sparking off in my head that the Holy Spirit was like, say that, talk about that. (laughs) So Holy Spirit, please be with me as I want to make sure that I cover everything that you desire for me to say. So, okay. Beginning in the very beginning of the verse, I think it's important for us to really try to picture this scene here right? This is how the Bible becomes real to us. When we don't just read it one time and walk away and check a box and say that we've read our word for the day. This is a time for us to really hone in, give it a good 20 minutes with me, and let's talk about what's happening here. Because this has the potential to set you up for success, understanding not only how to build effective teams, but how to trust God when he begins to take away the thing that you think you need to accomplish the calling that he has on your life. So here we find Gideon. He has begun to muster up the courage, right? He's been reassured of of God's call in his life. He's started to take some steps and he's got some people who believe in him. He's got some people who are behind him and who are ready to go and do what it is that he is asking them to do. At least that's what they say. right? And so they are camped and they have the camp of Midian, their enemy in this season, uh, to the north of them. And it said that Midian's army was vast, that they were like locusts that covered the land. So although Gideon's army seems quite large, when we think, right, of this 30,000 or 32,000 people, um, that was nothing compared to the army they were facing. So in Gideon's mind, you need to picture this, although his army may seem large to us, in comparison with the battle he saw before him, he didn't have enough. So going into this, I want you to take on the mindset of Gideon. He's probably thinking that this exchange between him and God is God uh, going to, to, to maybe reassure him that he's going to bring more troops right? That maybe he's going to give him (laughs) access to heaven's armies. There's something, the mindset of Gideon. um, And I think any reasonable person in this position would have been the Lord sees that the army that he's asking me to overcome um, is like locusts in a field, right? Too many to number. Uh, I have nothing compared to them. Like, yeah, 32,000 sounds like a lot until the opposing army is 2 million, right? It doesn't seem like enough. So yes, I mean, God called me to this. He called me a mighty warrior. Um, I'm assured of that. I'm confident of that. I'm I'm standing here ready to act. He's going to reward me by giving me what I need to overcome. So I'm probably going to have like 3 million, right? Like if they got 2 million, he's probably going to give me like 3 million, right? Because I am from the weakest tribe, you know, all of that. No, no. This is why we say that God's thoughts are so much higher than ours, right? Because in our mind, we think that God setting us up for success means giving us more to accomplish what it is that he's called us to do. But the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many troops for me to hand the Midianites over to them. You have too many, you have too much. Now, again, think about this from Gideon's perspective. He has 
a sizable army when you think about numbers, right? 32 is nothing to scoff at, 32,000. But we know from studying our Bibles, if you have a study Bible, you'll see footnotes and things of that nature, that Midian's army was vast, right? Remember, they've been oppressing the Israelites for years. So this isn't like a little vagabond <laughs> group of pirates, right? This is a serious force to be reckoned with. Um, this is a large army. And Gideon's believing that he's going to be equipped. And God's saying, you are. You're going to be equipped to watch me do what it is that I do. And in order to do that, I need to remove what it is you think that you need. And that is so counterintuitive to what we want God to do in those circumstances that it can make us balk a little bit and make us resistant to want to walk in our calling, to want to pursue our purpose, because that requires a testing. That requires a level of spiritual maturity that says, Lord, I was already afraid to do what it was that you called me to do. I'm now responding in obedience and faith. And yet instead of me getting those additional tools, that additional financial backing, that additional access to resources and open doors that I thought I was going to get, you're closing doors and you're removing financial backing and you're removing business partners and you're uh, reducing the number of friendships that I'm involved in. And I'm, I'm beginning to feel um, reduced. Uh, this is not the abundant life that I thought I was guaranteed, right? And these are very real conversations, very real expressions of human emotions that we thought when we responded in faith and obedience, that that meant every door was going to fling open. Am I lying? Am I by myself? Did we not think that when we obeyed the call that that meant things were going to get easier? So what do you do when God says, I see the army you've put together. I see the hard work you've put in, but I'm going to need to take that from you because if I allow you to keep that, listen, if I allow you to go into this battle with that, I know you well enough to know that you and those with you will think you did this on your own. And friend, that's why we have to keep a collective mindset when we're pursuing our calling because it's not just about us. It's about those that we have along with us. How we approach God, how we respond to God, people are watching. You are in a position of influence. You are setting the standard. And God has to make sure that because people are looking at you, because people are noticing that you're different, that he's got to set you up to approach things differently. He's not going to do with you what he has seen culture do with everyone else. He doesn't work that way. And he's not limited that way. And that's where you get to get excited. Is that, okay, if God's called me to do something, he said that he will be with me. He's told me to go. And now he's removing things. I know he's about to do something that does not make logical sense. It's something that works against um, what we're used to seeing. It's something that works against um, the rules of nature even, right? Like he can do what we would consider the impossible. So I'm not going to fear when things start to get stripped away. 
Because all that's telling me is God is about to do something that's never been done. He's about to open a door in a way that it's never been opened. Forget that. He's not opening a door. He's about to kick a door down. He's about to remove the whole structure in which the door resides. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's about to do something that we've never seen done before. And we can get excited about that because it's not dependent on us. We just get to respond in faith. We get to trust. And so when God starts to strip away all those things we think we need, remember I talked to you a little bit last week and shared some of my testimony. It is setting us up to experience him in a way that we've never experienced him before. So going back to the text, God says, I got to strip you of some of these people because if I let you take this team with you, y'all are going to think that y'all did it on your own. And we talked about for us, that may not translate into a physical army, right? We're not going to battle in that way, but it may mean some relationships ending. It may mean being relocated to a place that we never thought we would move, feeling a little bit of isolation. It may mean that we don't have um, all the access to finances that we did before. It may mean some things in our character are getting sifted. Do you understand all of those things that we would typically rely upon and find our confidence in, like numbers? God's saying, "Uh uh-uh, this is too big. I cannot let you think that you did this on your own. So he tells Gideon, hey, tell the people, whichever one of you or however many of you is afraid and trembling, go on and go back home, right? And so 22,000 of them suckers went home. Like, oh no, okay. So we don't have to be here. We don't, we won't be punished for leaving. Okay, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and just, excuse me, I'm gonna pack up, (laughs) right? They were afraid. And we talked about last week that if you're afraid, do it anyway. But I want to make a a very important distinction. When you are called by God to do something, my admonition is to do it even if you're afraid. But there will come a time as you work through that fear that I believe you will become absolutely convinced of what it is God has called you to do. When you are in the place that you are trying to overcome your own fear, the worst thing you can have are other fearful people around you, right? That that saying that misery loves company, so does fear. Fear loves company. You need people instead who are not afraid, who can help to raise your arms when you're tired of praising, who can help cover your head when you need some prayer, who can comfort you when you're discouraged because they not only believe in the vision that God has given you, they believe in you. So it's important to get those scaredy cats away from you. This is too sensitive of a calling. This is too important of a matter to have people doubting you, questioning you because they're afraid. You need people who are convinced and who are just as convinced as you are, right? And so that's why it's very important that it's okay for you to at times wonder, is this what God called me to do? But at some point we need to be progressing and maturing past that and becoming absolutely convinced. And one of the things that helps to get us there is knowing that those that we've surrounded ourselves with, those that are in our close networks are people who are encouraging us, motivating us, and spurring us on. So if they're afraid, let them go. Don't be angry with people who aren't ready to see the vision. Don't be upset with people who aren't ready to go. Sometimes we want to hold on to people so bad. We try to make them our security blankets, and instead they're just weighing us down you can't carry their fear. 
And if they can't see the vision, if you have to constantly try to reinvigorate them and re-motivate them, and you are going to drain yourself and you're going to lose the focus of what you're supposed to be paying attention to. So if they're scared, let them go and send them on with the grace of God, right? Maybe he'll spin the block on them for something else, but they're not meant for this season and it's okay. We don't have to be mad about it. It's okay. Let them go. So we know that God strips away when we are going well, when he knows that we have the potential to rely upon that thing more than we rely on him. When there's a good chance that if he lets us go forward with that, we're going to take the glory for ourselves and not give it to him. And in that, that culling process, in that reduction process, one of the things he says is let those who are afraid go. And we can do that with confidence not holding any resentment or bitterness because it's not their vision. It's God's vision for us. And even when those support systems come from unexpected resources or the ones we thought would support us are stripped away, it's okay. It's okay because we're going to have exactly what and who we need for this point in time for this season. So then after that, Gideon's left with the 10,000, right? Which for us still seems like a good sizable number. But remember the army that they're facing is like locusts. So we're talking about hundreds of thousands, possibly millions. And so the Lord then says to Gideon, you still have too many troops. You still have too many troops. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Let's stop. Let's stop. Water represents sustaining. Water represents something essential that we all need. Water goes beyond just something we would like. It's something we have to have. So God's saying, take them and put them in a situation where it's something they need. Take them and put them in a situation where it's something we all want. And I will test them for you there. There's a lot of people that we think we know how they'll respond. There's people that we are confident they'd be great on our team, that they're we're confident they're supposed to go to the next level with us. And the only reason we think that is because they've never had options. Yeah, loyalty and not having options are not the same thing. There are some people who are in relationship with you because no one else will entertain them. Yeah, that's harsh. I know. I know. I don't like when the Holy Spirit does it to me either. There are some people that are working with you because they can't get a better job. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Loyalty, those who will stick by you, who believe in you, who are called to you, is totally different than those who are with you by convenience. So let God test them. Be in a situation where it's something that they want. It's something that everyone needs and see if they still stand by you. Let God test them. We are so afraid when it comes to our relationships to give them over to God because we're afraid he's going to take them away. And if that's not a red flag that there's already something that you know is wrong in that relationship, I don't know what is. Because none of us have ever been in a healthy God-fearing relationship and been afraid that God was going to take that person away. The only time we've ever been afraid to completely submit a relationship with God is because we knew good and well we were not supposed to be in relationship with that person in the first place. Whether it's romantic, whether it's platonic, whether it's a business situation, whether it was an association, whatever you want to call it, a situationship, we did not want to submit that to God. We did not want to let him test it because we already knew it would fail.
right? Tell me I'm lying. If I'm lying, then while you're listening to this, I need you to go to Facebook. I need you to go to Instagram, DM me, get in my comments and tell me that I'm not telling the truth. But if I am, then you got to promise to keep listening, right? We'll be right back after this. Hey, welcome back. So we are in Judges chapter seven. We've been talking about the reasons God calls C-U-L-L-S, C-U-L-L-S, Lord, C-U-L-L-S, the reason why God calls people away from us in order to help us pursue our calling. We redefined this kind of idea of what calling meant. We talked about it's an intentional reduction of the people that we surround ourselves with in order to accomplish our calling. We've seen in scripture already tonight where God has called uh, Gideon to remove a large chunk of the individuals that he has with him. And he did that by saying, hey, ask them if they're afraid. If they're afraid, let them go. We talked about why it's important as we're pursuing our calling to surround ourselves with specific types of people. And the type of people that can be dangerous when we're pursuing our calling is that those that are consistently and constantly afraid. I'm not talking about surrounding yourself with yes men. I want to be very clear about that. I'm also not talking about um, somehow doubting someone's commitment to you because they express a fear or express a disappointment or something of that nature. I'm talking about people whose underlying girding character and attitude is one of pessimism, one of fear, one of doubt, because that will stagnate your progress and it will start to infiltrate and intimidate the others of you who are focused, who are uh, God-centered, who are ready to be obedient, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense to the human mind. Um, And that's often required when we act in faith. It does it make sense. And people want that reassurance all the time of make it make sense, make it make sense. It doesn't make sense. I just believe that this is what God has called me to do. And if it made sense, I would need God to do it, right? So the next thing that we see is that the Lord says, let me test those that are left. So after the 22,000 troops leave that were afraid, there's 10,000 left. God says, let me put them in a situation and let me test them. Again, let God test them. Don't you go orchestrating situations trying to test people because you can't judge someone's heart. You can see their behavior, make good relational choices based on the wisdom that you're gleaning, based on the discernment that you're gaining as you spend time with God, but let God create circumstances. He's really great at that, at revealing people's character to us, revealing who should be with us and who should, and don't be afraid to cull or cut away those people that God rejects. We're going to talk about that again in a second. So basically the situation that God sets up is he says, okay, take them down to the water. And depending on how they drink the water is going to allow me to determine who should go with you and who shouldn't. So he said, those who lap up water like a dog with their hand, those will be the ones you'll take with you. Those that kneel down to the ground and drink water, those will be the ones that you don't. Now, Bible scholars have said, What it was that God was showing Gideon in this example is that those who kind of leapt, lapped the water up to their mouths with their hand were those who were alert, who were cognizant of their uh, surroundings, excuse me, who were cognizant of their surroundings and were aware of what was going on around them. They're staying on their, their point, right? Those who knelt down are not being as aware. They're putting themselves in vulnerable positions. They're open to attack. These are not the, you know, Avengers (laughs) 
<laughs> these are not the top-notch soldiers. These aren't the snipers. These are people who basically make up the masses. They're not afraid, but they're not necessarily an asset either. And so after this kind of culling away is done, Gideon is just left with 300, right? And so what I want you to see in this example is he says, if I say to you, and this is the Lord talking to Gideon, if I say to you, this one can go with you and this one cannot go with you, he cannot go, right? I think it's specifically in verse four, he says, if I say to you, this one can go with you, he can go. But if I say about anyone, this one cannot go with you, he cannot go. Now, pay attention to that. The Lord didn't say, if I say this one can go with you, I'm going to give you reasons why he can go. And then you tell me if you agree or not. Or if I say about this one, he cannot go with you. I'm also going to give you reasons why he cannot go. And then I'll listen to your counter arguments about why he should. He said, if I say he cannot go, he can't go. If I say he can go, he can go. And it's as simple as that. Now, am I going to be so... Uh, naive as to pretend that when someone is removed from our lives unexpectedly that we thought was like a rider someone that we thought we were in it long game that it doesn't shake us up of course not I've had it happen to me and I'm sure you've had it happen to you it can be jarring but the worst thing that we can do is begin to question our calling and question the one who calls us just because we're a little bit confused does it mean that God won't bring clarity? Absolutely not. But is his primary concern our clarity? No, it's our calling. It's our calling. And so we have to get into a place of deep trust that if God says this one cannot go, that we're going to be willing to sever that relationship, distance ourselves, whatever it is God's calling us to do without needing to have this quote unquote clarity or closure. Because honestly, there is no such thing. There is no such thing. That person cannot tell you why they can't go with you because they're not the person that made the decision. God said they can't go. And sometimes there's some things that God's going to reveal to you in the character of a person that they're not even aware of yet. That human being, that flawed human being, much like yourself, does not know why they can't go with you. They may suspect, but they don't know. God knows. And if you needed to know, guess who else would know? You'd know. So if you don't know, you don't need to know. It would not change the answer. It would not change the outcome. If anything, all it would cause you to do is try to hold on to make it work. And God knows this about us. He knows this about us. So he's telling Gideon off top, if I say they can go, great. If I say they can't, they can't, period. And the test that God uses also doesn't have to make sense, right? This is a great thing about him being a sovereign God. He can do what he wants to do. And that's not uh, a thing that I want you to feel afraid of or to feel like, well, that just doesn't seem fair because connected to that sovereignty is an immense and deep, passionate love for you. He's not like man. He's not this dictator who's just like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I don't care the effect it has on you. In fact, God says, I'm going to do the things you can't even imagine, not only because I care about what happens to you, but because I then also care about what happens to your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. So there's going to be some things that I do that will not make sense. And that you may never see manifest in this lifetime. But on the other side, you'll be so glad that I did. You'll be so glad that I did. And so it comes from a place of trust. It comes from a place of trust. 
And so after all of these men are called away, Gideon is left with 300. 300, the best of the best. And now he's seeing the army that is below him in the valley. And so from tonight's uh, lesson, if you will, I really just wanted us to see a very clear and perfect example that sometimes your most effective team can be your smallest team. That sometimes your most important investment won't be your largest financial investment. That sometimes when God calls you to something, it doesn't mean immediate success, ease of life, or every open door. That sometimes you're going to face a season where God is stripping away. And not because he intends to be cruel, not because he's a dictator, and not because he wants to make things hard, but because he wants you to understand that he is doing it, that he is the one that's with you. He's trying to give you the opportunity to set up an altar, to have a spiritual mile marker, something that you can look back on in your life and say, I know God did that. And that's important because you're going to face other challenges in your life, believe it or not where you're going to have to recollect and recall other things that God did to give you the confidence to push forward in faith. He's setting you up for success. And it's also a setup, friend, to get to experience a miracle, something that otherwise could not happen. If you persist on wanting all the creature comforts, wanting to have this modicum of success that is achieved the way everyone else does, if you want to do things the way everyone else does, because you only want what everyone else has by all means, by all means, but if you want, friend, the thing that you were called to do to make the impact that you were called to make, you're going to have to let him strip from you everything that would rob you of the full immersive experience of partnering with God. And so don't be afraid when he starts to strip you of the thing you think you need. Because if you needed it, you would have it. Don't question when he begins to give you that discernment about who can go with you and who can't. Don't try to manipulate or manufacture situations to try to determine the character of a person. God will reveal it. You just make sure that when he does, that you respond accordingly. And last but not least, you want to make sure that even if the testing, even if the culling, even if the stripping doesn't make sense, that you do not surround yourself with people who are going to feed fear instead of feeding faith. You got this, friend. I know you do. I love you so much. I can't wait to talk to you again as we wrap up this year and this series in Endgame where we talk about finishing this year strong. And I know that you will. I'm Shania and this is Rooted.